0: Tonight, um, we have um, a special speaker. Sue O'Brien is going to come and share with us. Um, I, I really felt some people say, you know, you just shouldn't get it political in church. Well, the Bible says we're to pray for those who are in authority over us. So I guess God got involved politically. If he's telling us to pray for him, if he's telling us to intercede, if he says, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice, then he's interested in who the rulers are. And if you read the old covenant, there was a king and a priest. There was, in the beginning, just a priest. And everybody just followed what the priest heard from God. Then the people decided they wanted a king. And God granted a king. And from then on, if you look at scripture, there's always a king, there's a priest. And so I believe it's important separation of church and state has nothing to do with us not knowing politically what's going on in our nation and having a voice to make things be the way they should be. And so as Sue comes tonight, she has some things that I've asked her to share with us. Um, November we vote. And just by the news today, how many of you believe we are in a spiritual battle? we are not in a battle of what somebody did or didn't do in the natural we are in a fight against evil and what evil wants to do not just to you but to the generations that are coming, because things are changing. Sue and uh, Bill have been with us, I think, since the first year we started the church in, in the lower level, so that's about 29 years, and I, we trust them. Sue's been involved politically uh, in her life, even has run for office, state office, so I believe we can hear what God wants us to know about our responsibility in the United States in this state of Indiana, in this city, to be the people that are the voice that God wants us to be in the hour we're living. Amen. Come on, Sue. (laughs) Hallelujah. Give her a hand. Now,
1: please don't glaze your eyes over, because it's politics, because we've all seen a lot of politics, and I'm sure we're all, like, up to here with it. But Hallelujah, you're the answer. I'm the answer. Praise the Lord. And so I think I want to tell you a little bit about me, just so you'll know where I come from. I come from the South side, the South side. On a little farm out there, I grew up, mainly by myself, with three really, really mean brothers who tried to kill me every day, because they were boys. They would either try to well, you know how boys are. They just can hurt and think it's so fun. But anyway, uh, I had wonderful parents, uh, Ray and Kathleen Smith. And I had a mother that really did love me because I tell you, I was one of the most rebellious. Now, j- that we're just talking here. We're not going out of here. But truly, I think I made my dad's hair go from dark to white in a day. That's how bad. I ran away from home. I got married. I mean talk about rebellion. This was actually in the 60s. So that's pretty rebellious for way back there. But the reason I'm telling you about that is because us 60s people, you know the baby boomers, well we've all grown up and we are now seeing the results of a lot of that rebellion bearing fruit in our country. And so I I really do want to thank you, Pastor Bill and Pastor Pam, because there are most churches would not even think they wouldn't even consider talking anything political, not even issues, let alone parties and let alone where people stand. But I I do thank you because it, it takes a courageous pastor uh, to do that for for their church because they want us to have better and we will make the difference and I I want I want to introduce my husband Bill husband of 48 years hey Hello. hey <laughs> and and we have four daughters I'm so uh, thankful for four girls and I think you know his hair's white now but he did make it with dark hair most of the way through because girls you know, in the beginning, they're sweet, they're loving, they're wonderful. They don't tear apart things, you know. They're they're good, but boy, when they reach a certain age, something happens. <laughs> we all turn. <laughs> so anyway, Bill made it through, and we have Chris and Aaron, and I have Shemae and Jonathan, and I have uh, Chantel and her husband Rob, and then I have Shani, who isn't married. Uh, but but was she's just not married now, and I have 13 grandchildren with Bill, of course, and uh, two great-grandchildren. So I I appreciate they have always encouraged me when I ran for office. It was a scary time for me, and if I'd known what I was doing, I would never have done that. <laughs> But, you know, they don't tell you, you know. God always tells you the end from the beginning. He shows you the beginning. He shows you the end. But the in-between stuff, you don't get to see until you're living it. <laughs> and, and that sometimes is why you wouldn't go. But anyway, I th- I thank God. I thank God that you've come tonight. And I hope that what I have to say to you might might encourage you because it is up to us to go and vote. And there there, it's such a critical time, and it's, it's a heavy time. Hey, Israel. <laughs> it's such a critical time in our history. I mean, we've gone through some critical um, eruptions here in our nation, and it keeps going, and it gets bigger and bigger. And there is a huge divide, and I, I don't need to tell you all about that. You see it if you're watching at all. Our, do we have anything? Okay, but before we get started, this man is a Hoosier, and we're going to take a look at him, if you go ahead. His name's Red Skelton, years ago. Huh. Are we ready? Okay, okay, he's going to tell us about the pledge, he's going to say it. Well, I
2: remember a teacher that I had. Now, I, only, I, went, I went through the seventh grade, I went to the seventh grade. I left home when I was 10 years old because I was hungry. And I used to, this, is, this is true, i work in the summer and i go to school in the winter. But I had this one teacher, he was the principal of the Harrison School in Vincennes, Indiana. To me, this was the greatest teacher, a real sage of, of my time, anyhow. He had such wisdom. And we were all reciting the Pledge of Allegiance one day. And he walked over, this little old teacher, Mr. Laswell was his name. Mr. Lasswell, and he says, um, <laughs> he says, I've been listening to you boys and girls recite the Pledge of Allegiance all semester, and it seems as though it's becoming monotonous to you. If I may, may I recite it and try to explain to you the meaning of each word. I, me, an individual, a committee of one, pledge, dedicate all of my worldly goods to give without self pity, allegiance, my love, and my devotion to the flag, our standard, O glory, a symbol of freedom, wherever she waves. There's respect. Because your loyalty has given her a dignity that shouts, freedom is everybody's job. United. That means that we have all come together. States. Individual communities that have united into 48 great states. 48 individual communities with pride and dignity and purpose. For which it stands. One nation, one nation, meaning so blessed by God, indivisible, incapable of being divided, with liberty, which is freedom, the right of power to live one's own life without threats, fear, or some sort of retaliation, and justice. The principle are qualities of dealing fairly with others for all, for all. Which means, boys and girls, it's as much your country as it is mine. And now, boys and girls, let me hear you recite the Pledge yes, of Allegiance. There's flag. I pledge allegiance to the, flag to the flag of the United, the United States, States of America, America.
1: And to, the and to the
2: republic for which, for it, stands, which it
1: stands, one nation,
2: indivisible,
1: under, in with liberty and justice, and justice for all. all.
2: Since I was a small boy, two you states have been it. added to our country, and two words have been added to the Pledge of Allegiance under God. Wouldn't it be a pity if someone said that is a prayer And that would be eliminated from schools, too.
1: What wisdom. What wisdom. What insight. And here we are. And here we are. And so it's this, that that was my childhood. We had... You know, 50 states, and I can remember that we recited the pledge every day. I can remember that up to the fourth grade, we even said the Our Father every day before we started anything. Most of you cannot remember days like that because we have had such conflict, and of course it is about God. It's not about anything else. It's just about him. And it says in Psalms 133, 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Our nation is one nation under God, but it won't be if we don't vote. It is so essential that the body of Christ show up. And I do have uh, a lot that I wanted to try to share with you, and I don't, I don't know exactly how much will get done, but um, I named this politics. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, at, because you know, you always learn those two things: don't talk politics, don't talk religion. I mean, I heard that since I probably knew how to talk, and really, in my household, I don't remember very much talking about politics except for my grandpa who I considered old and oh my gosh, where did you get off the boat? You know, he didn't know much but he knew everything. And I think he used to talk to me about politics but I had no real clue what he was talking about. But I do thank God I think that planted a seed in my life uh, about, you know, uh, making sure and God must have done that. I couldn't have done this, but I care about this nation. I know you do. Let me talk about the Hebrew language because God is involved here in the Hebrew language, you know it's a it's a very distinct it it's it also has many words that we don't even have, and it's God's language. God spoke Hebrew. Can you believe that? He spoke Hebrew, and so also. Uh, I was learning as I was watching these, and maybe some of you know about um, uh, Lappin, who, who is a sage, or he is a, what do I want to call him? Um, not a reverend. Rabbi. Rabbi, I think. You got it. <laughs> Rabbi. Yeah, Rabbi Lab- Lappin. And he is a real wonderful man. This, uh, So anyway, he was explaining that the truth is there are some words that we have that Cannot be found in Hebrew. Uh, coincidence is a word. There's no such thing because God has a plan. He knows what's going to happen. You're not going to get him taken by surprise because he always knows. The other thing is retirement. I'm sorry, Pastor Bill. <laughs> there is no such word for any of us for retirement. There, There is change, obviously. We don't stay in one vein all the time. Maybe. Maybe we do. But then I think we got politicians that think there's no retirement ever. And then finally, uh, there is no such thing as rights. Rights. I have a right to vote. And he said, no, you don't have a right to vote. In Hebrew, you have a responsibility. It is a responsibility, and God cares. That we fulfill the responsibility that he has put through us and in us. Now in Indiana, and actually in every state, here's what you must do in order to be to be uh, ready to vote. You have to be 18 by the time that there is an election. If you're 17 today, but before the 9th of November you're gonna turn 18, you can vote. You have to have, in Indiana, You have to have an ID you know a picture ID for when you go to the polls and then you also uh, have to be a citizen and you have had to live here for 30 30 days in the state and you'll have to be able to to show that but other than that you have the right to vote and I've got if you are not registered I do have with me if you don't have a computer or access to anything online, I've got right here for you registrations that you can fill out and you can mail or give them back to me and I'll take them and they will send you a registration card. It is very simple. Um, And so uh, early voting begins October 10th. It starts at the courthouse, And you can get a schedule of where early voting can take place. It's going to be at various centers and various places, Lafayette, West Lafayette, and different places in the county. So if you need to know, go to Tippecanoe County, uh, ind.gov. And there they will show you. You find election registration. Just put in the word vote, and it will bring up everything you need to know and where to go and when to go. So they've made it very, very easy to vote. Now, I i don't know, um, well, let me tell you, I, mean, I just want to give you a little history. Pam did a wonderful job of talking about uh, kings for the civil side of things, but priest for the spiritual side of things. And is there a separation? Uh, it depends on what form of government you do have. But, in most pla- in Israel, she was very right. Samuel, you know, was very sad after King Saul had been appointed king, anointed king. He was a mighty king. But then he did something he should never have done. And he went and did what the priests were to do. He messed in the wrong place. And for that, God said, you're not king anymore. There was another king, Uzziah. Uzziah was a mighty king for 52 years. He was in the Old Testament. He did, he did wonderful things because he had wonderful counselors, the word of God tells us, who would lead and guide him. And he did so many wonderful things that he thought he could be a priest as well. And he went into the temple to offer a sacrifice. And he and 80 80 priests came and said, You are making a mistake. Please don't do this. But he said, I will do it. I am the king. And as king, he started to do the sacrifice, and immediately he turned white because leprosy had attacked him like that. He lived out all of his, the rest of his days in the backyard. You know, nobody could go see him, and he had nothing to do. So it's critical that everybody find their right place. If you are a king, you need to act like a king. You're a king. You're a king. You're a king. I'm I'm not talking gender here, but we are all kings because God has said that we will have dominion, but we have to act like we know who we are. And part of the acting like we know who we are, we have a wonderful priest who continually tells us, is that for me, honey? Oh, it might not be. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. (laughs) He's not laughing, Bill. He is not laughing about this joke. (laughs) So anyway, sorry. Um, our, Our form of government is not democracy. We do not have a democratic form of government. We have a a republic with a constitution, and that is a government in which sovereign power is exercised by representatives, just as Pam had said, elected by the people. It's a constitutional republic, and it's the highest form of government. I thank God that our founders really, did know what they were doing even if they didn't know what they were doing they prayed about it before they did it and God gave us the highest form of government and so we are represented by people who we send uh you know into that office whatever that office is and in exodus uh, 18 through 21 and deuteronomy 1 15 and 16 it lays out God laid this out and uh jethro Moses' father came to him after they had crossed over, after, huh? Father-in-law, thank you, Bill. Father-in-law, sorry. Father-in-law. And uh, so after they crossed over the Red Sea and nobody was chasing them anymore, you know, they were still scared because they had a slave mentality. But God said, hey, we're stopping. We're stopping right here at the mountain, and I'm going to make a nation out of you. And here's how we're going to do it. Well, Moses took the burden of everything, judging everybody. And finally, uh, Jethro said to Moses, What you're doing is a very bad thing. And he said, You need to help. You need help bearing all this burden. And of course, millions, there were millions of people. It wasn't just a small little group. And so he taught them, he taught these leaders how to judge according to God's 600, by the way, 613 laws. But he taught them how to judge. And the big things, Moses was like the Supreme Court, the big things you bring to me. But these smaller things, you you judge. And he gave them leaders, representatives, to represent the people before God. But Moses took the big things. So... We have a wonderful form of government just like they did when God gave them their first government. And God's very involved in government and he's extremely involved in our government if we'll let him. But God is not just sovereign. You know, God didn't make me eat cornflakes because I wanted Rice Krispies today. He let me decide that. He lets you decide stuff. You know, so he's not sovereign over your life. Otherwise, everybody would be in heaven. There wouldn't need to be a Jesus, and we'd all be happy. But, you know, God said, I love you so much. And Satan said, well, you know, they only love you because of what you do. But God said, no, they're going to choose me. I'll give them the choice. So, you know, even Joshua said, choose today. Who are you going to serve? But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And truly, when we do, when we do serve the Lord, there is such freedom like we've never had before, freedom. Uh, And so with this, I think um, we had a little... uh, a little trouble, but we—I think we got it fixed here. So I'm going to show you some clips out of some shows that I've got that they do a lot better explaining our government than I ever could. They might be repeating some of what I've re- what I've already told you, but there's a roundtable discussion. It is David Barton. He is a historian. He sits on the. Uh, Uh, Republican Party platform. He's always involved. That's why you see so much of God in the platform. And uh, Buddy uh, Pilgrim, who is a man, he he is a businessman, a man of renown. He also served as Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, was a nominee uh, or was a presidential candidate back when our president Trump was running, and so he helped Ted Cruz until he went and helped our president. So can you roll that, and, and we'll take a look.
3: So right off the bat, one out of three Americans says, I don't care what happens to America, I'm not gonna be part of it. That's bad stewardship. You've already given away your responsibility. This is David Bartlett. So we're 67, 67.1% of adults that are registered, that can vote. We had a presidential election two years ago. Every presidential election since 1980, the average voter turnout is 54%. But that's 54% not of the nation. That's 54% of 67.1%. So you're talking half of 67.1% and you're you're roughly about 36% of adults vote in a presidential election. It only takes half of that to win the election so since 1980, you're talking about only one out of five Americans choosing the president of the United States, which if you look at the last election, we got 330 million. It was about 61 million that, that won the election. So you're talking one out of five Americans chooses wow. the winning candidate. Now, you come into this election right now, yep. it drops from 54% of Americans voting to 39% voting. Now we're talking 39% of 67%. percent So now we're at 26%. One out of four Americans will vote in this election. It takes half of that to win. One out of eight Americans will choose our governors, our U.S. senators, and our congressmen. So that's so not what did many. What you say? One out of eight. eight. One out of eight. eight. One out of eight. eight. 13%. Okay. You're looking at 13% of adults will choose... Will choose the winners in this election. Yeah. So, wow. for Christians not to be involved, <coughs> shame on us yep. if we're not. Wow. So, right off the bat, one out of three. Okay. Ameri- yeah.
1: So that's a startling statistic for all of us. But you are one out of eight. If every one of you go to the polls, you're going to be one of one out of eight choosing who will represent you. You know, one of one out of four will vote, but only half of one out of four will choose the candidate that obviously will win. So we must, we must go. Tonight before I left, uh, they were discussing a big rally by a lot of famous people, people in Hollywood, people in New York entertainers, and they were going to rally to make sure that they stirred up the base. Now I will tell you The base for them is Democrats. The reason is they like to make sure that abortion will stay the law of the land. The reason we're having such a dilemma over choosing just one man to take the Supreme Court like never before, it is spiritual. It is very spiritual this time because it is about abortion. And they openly are now saying It's about abortion. We don't want him, we don't want Kavanaugh, because we fear that he will indeed tip the scale the other way. And so all of Hollywood, you know, and and they they, uh, are saying, at this point in time, it's about, you know, women who are abused. And I know people can be, women especially, are vulnerable. I understand that. There's some of you, there's some women in here that have been abused, that have been attacked, that possibly could have been raped, because it's, it's at a high level. But we can't extract everything based on this man. We can't get back that and try to extract it from one man. Kavanaugh because we had a bad experience. I believe that's what a lot of this is for the women who really do suffer from it and think that they're in the right place. But the truth is we have to hear the truth and still in this country I do believe if we hold the line here you are innocent until you're found guilty and that takes even in the Bible two to three witnesses Two to three witnesses. So everything that our country stands for, it stands in tow with the Bible. But this, what we are seeing today, is unprecedented. Uh, Years ago, I'm sure some of you remember when Clarence Clarence Thomas uh, was up. I mean, what they did to that man was just like this. Only this, they are really picking because they can't. You know, they couldn't find anything with Thomas. They cannot find anything here, but they're going to stretch it out, hoping that they can. And so we need to pray. We really do need to pray, because this one thing, it needs to be over. The court is being made a mockery of over this whole thing. And so we need to go on. Uh, But... Anyway, uh, I think we'll take a look at the next one, if you would, please.
3: ...today, why did God put you here? Why are you here? What's your purpose? Since since 1746, the chief answer, particularly among Protestants, has been to glorify God. I'm here to glorify God and to serve Him forever. Okay, show me the Bible verse on that. The problem with that is... God's got plenty of creatures to glorify Him. That's why He made angels. Angels glorify Him. He's got no shortage of people to glorify Him. We're here for a different purpose. And if you go into Genesis 1 and 2, in Genesis 1 and 2, you get creation given to you twice. Genesis 1, you see the earth created, Genesis 2, you see it created, but you get a different part of the story. So, between those two chapters, it kind of blows it up. And if you look in Genesis 2, we're saying, because Genesis 1, 26, 27, God made man in his own image, male and female, made them. So made him, he, he told you know, him to rule. He said, and he, subdue the earth. Subdue, so do, take dominion. Mm-hmm. And then over in chapter 2, he kind of blows that up a little bit. And what's interesting is he made man. And then in chapter 2, he tells you why he made man. Yeah. It said he looked over everything that he created. He looked over the He looked over the animals and the fish, and he looked over and his word was, in Genesis 2.5 and then Genesis 2.15, he said he saw that he had no one to tend the garden. And so he made man. Man was made to take care of God. If you ask most Christians today... Thank you. Day,
1: Thanks. So we are put here, yeah, we're to glorify God, but we are here to take care of God's stuff. He cares about his stuff. You're his stuff. We take care of each other. We take care of it the way God wants it taken care of. Some of His stuff would be education, and yet, you know, we have got a department, an e- a Department of Education, who, for the most part, controls everything in every state. And some of you parents might wonder, what is Common Core? I don't even get it. Well, you know, a lot of people don't. I don't either. It's it's not even basic education anymore. They've turned it into something that we don't want, but it's the law of the land until we change it. And we need to change it. They need to bring it back and let Indiana choose for Hoosiers what they want in their education. Uh, The other thing, he cares about entertainment. He cares about the media. He cares about agriculture. Uh, He cares about all these things. He cares about Foreign policy, he cares about politics because all of this is his stuff. And if we say we're too busy for your stuff, God, I don't know. We're planning something here we don't want, and we're going to reap a harvest of things we don't want. So we have got to be active, we have got to be proactive for so long. We have been uh, reactive to the situation and it's hard to catch up with that game because they just outmaneuver us every time. And so we have to be like that servant who was going to be losing his job and he knew it. And so he said, "Well, how much does how how much do you owe my master?" He said, "Whatever it is, put half down." Cuz what he was trying to do was get favor with those that he let, you know, not pay back the full amount. That's the way the other side is. Jesus even said, I I wish. I wish my people, not would lie, but would be savvy enough to figure it out. Because God's got a plan. He's got a way for us to move. He's got a way for us to bring him glory by doing the thing that he said, tend that garden. And we haven't done that, but we are going to do that. We can make Tippecanoe County a star on the map of all the United States if we just do what he's asking us to do. And this is the start. God is going to give you ideas on how to help people. God is going to give you inventions that will make you wealthy so that you can plant your seed and you can do more. God has plans for you so much higher than you ever thought. And I want to say this, because I saw Jerry. I thought of Jerry and Jan. Thank God for Jerry and Jan. And there's a lot of you I don't know. But Jerry and Jan are raising mighty children for the kingdom of God. And it's not easy when you're older to do such a thing. I know you know. Yes, Teresa knows. She's done it all her life. But the reward, the reward is going to be, Popping your eyes out. You just won't even imagine the things that God can do for us if we'll just submit a little time to him and begin to think. You know, we are so caught up in so many things, phone being one. We don't think anymore. We've got to start thinking. Take five minutes every day. This is not on my notes, can you tell? But take five minutes every day. Just sit with the Father and just say oh father i know you've got something great for me and then let's listen let's think because you are not going to stay where you are today there's great and marvelous things god has okay the next one I'll stop my preach will watch
3: is every law that any nation ever needs to run a nation. And it deals with economics, it deals with military, laws. it deals with foreign affairs, it deals with immigration, mm-hmm. it deals with education. 613 laws, everything a nation needs, any nation. And, and that's why God's word is applicable for every aspect of a nation. So you look at that, and, and so you look at a Canada's website and you go, man, 613 things, you know, there's something for everybody. <laughs> essentially, yeah. is what it must do. But what's really cool is over in Genesis or over in Exodus 34, God says, "By the way, I gave you my top ten. He said, "That's the tenor of my law. I gave you 613 laws, but I do have some that are more important yes, than others. Yes, yes. Well, they, guide all the others. They, they guide all the others. They got all the others. It's the backbone." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I picked this for fun because that's the Ten Commandments, obviously. This is this one's historic. Um, it's historic in the sense of and I'm gonna jump off the priorities that God has and do a little social commentary here for a minute. Cause we own 120,000 documents from before 1812. Now this obviously is after 1812. This goes back to 1978. This 10 commandments in 1978, and I mean, you see the 10 commandments and the significance of stuff here is you don't murder and you don't steal and et cetera. This is what was hanging in the walls of Kentucky schools in 1978 oh mm-hmm. when a lawsuit was filed that went to the Supreme Court called Stone v. Graham. And this hung in the hallways of the class, and just like there were pictures, a picture of George Washington in that hall, and there's a horse running through a pasture over there, and there's a bowl of flowers back here, and here's the Ten Commandments. And the question was asked, what if a student sees this? What if they walk over to it and start reading it? Yeah. Is it constitutional for a student to voluntarily read this if they want to? Yeah. The Supreme Court came back, Stone v. Graham, and said no. They said, if the, this is their quote, If the posted copies of the Ten Commandments were to have any effect, it would be to induce the school children to read them. If they were to read them, they might meditate on them and venerate them and obey them, and that yes. would be unconstitutional. Whoa so don't kill oh i can't figure out why we have so many more school shootings today with kids walking into schools in florida and shooting because we don't teach them things like this this is real simple stuff this is one of god's top 10 you don't murder you do not shed innocent blood try teaching that in the school today see what we want to do is punish them after they happen or take the guns away so now, if you don't fix the heart, right. you'll never fix what's inside. We've got about two minutes, guys, So we, we'll, and we'll continue on in this, but please keep going. One, one, one quick thing. And it was a judge, not a legislature. That's where we're headed. Not a, not a bunch of legislators exactly representing, right. representing right. the people. Right. Right. It right. was a judge that made the decision that <clears throat> that couldn't are be careless. done. But what's interesting is if you look at this, God says, I am the Lord thy God. That's public religious acknowledgments. That's one of his top 10. So if you have a candidate that says, oh, separation church and state, you can't say God in public. The military can't have God. You can't have a kid say God at graduation. That violates one of God's top 10. So as a Christian, I want to vote on the top ten, which means out of all the stuff on the website, I want to see where they are on religious expressions. If they're not right on religious expressions, and that includes, we'll talk about this later, the rights of conscience. The rights of conscience goes here. That's God's number one. If you get a secular-minded person that thinks you should not be acknowledging God or kids shouldn't pray in school or kids shouldn't see the Ten Commandments, we've got problems with who we're elected. So get somebody different. So that's the first one. The next one I'll point to is down here, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, what's that? God says, look, I want sex confined to a man and woman in marriage. Ah, now we've got a sexual definition. Anything outside of sex as a man and woman in marriage is wrong. So homosexual sex is wrong. However, adultery is wrong, sex outside of marriage, or premarital sex is wrong. God says, I want sexuality confined to a man and a woman in marriage, period. So, I want to see where candidates are on sexuality. Where are they on LGBT? Where are they on marriage? Because that's one of God's that's top ten. That's one of God's top ten. And then if I also say, thou shalt not kill, in Hebrew the word kill means murder. It's not kill. Yeah. It's not military. You don't shed innocent blood. Right. And right. I think abortion is shedding innocent blood. Sure it is. Yeah. Abortion is shedding innocent blood. So, here's the deal. I don't care what the candidates' issues are, my top three issues are going to be, where are you on acknowledgement of God and religious conscience, where are you on sexuality, where are you on, on, um, on abortion, and then past that, we'll talk about creation, care, or taxes, or something Speaking else. Speaking
0: of 10, I've got 10 seconds here. So. <laughs> this okay. is exciting.
1: so what he's doing here for you and me is outlining not what... Uh, most people political people would outline he is outlining what God says What is important to the God that we serve? What is important to the God? That said "Tend my garden well those ten commandments and then in that we we have You know marriage marriage has been redefined by our courts now if they go one more step You know who, who knows? where that could take us in marriage. Maybe I want to marry my cat. I've seen that. Or my dog. Oh, my gosh. You know, but it could be really worse than that. Pedophiles. I love them. You know, no, no. We've got a the law, the line is drawn, and we cannot ignore it anymore. And if you, you might be here, and there are millions of women who have had abortions because they felt like they had no other opportunity, no way out, or they didn't know what to do. And most of those abortions happened when they were very young. And so they were told, it isn't a baby. It really, really isn't. It's just a, a blob. You know. But we know. We know it isn't. And God forgives everything. There, that's the one wonderful thing. There isn't anything that the blood of Jesus didn't pay for already. I'm so grateful to God that there isn't anything the blood of Jesus didn't pay for. Uh, Now, uh, let's see. Where are we? I just have to get back here to where. Okay, let's just... uh, Okay, uh, I want to talk just a minute about party platforms. Okay, the Democrats... In 2012, you can go on the internet, you can take a look at this. They had a convention in Colorado, and it was when Obama was being elected to his second term. And there, before they got to the floor of the convention, they had removed every reference, reference of God right out of their party platform. Absolutely didn't want it. And so there was a very brave Democrat pastor who got up there and said, we want this changed, and there were two amendments. One amendment was that Jerusalem is absolutely the capital of Israel, one, and two, you know, uh, that God, I forget what two is, but I think that, that uh, God would be a part of their platform. And so from you know, from the stage of this great big convention center with only the delegates that had been sent by the Democrat Party, they took a vote, you know, by a show of hands, no, by the sound of your "aye" or nay. And really the nays had it, but because they were s- under such pressure, they said, okay, we'll put those two amendments in. But they came out to that floor, with nothing of God and absolutely against Jerusalem. That's the other thing you have to consider. When you're voting for senators and representatives at at, uh, the United States level, they do get involved in that. If they won't say yay to Israel, if, if they don't do that, we don't want them. We need somebody else. Now, You have to choose the best of two because, let's face it, we're a two-party system. There's not a lot that we can do. But do the best you can. Learn about each candidate. It's vitally important. But if you want to really know, the platform says it all, and you can almost always see. The Democrats hang real tight, and they vote just how they're told, and it's always going to be the platform The Republicans don't hang us tight, so we need strong Republicans, but I am a Republican In full disclosure, I want you to know, I am a Republican, but I am a Republican for that reason, because they do care about the things I care about. Next one.
3: There's 384,000 churches in America. He calls between five and six hundred churches every day, polling five wow. to six hundred every day. And he starts by asking six basic questions. This These is are George six questions Barnett. that are non-negotiable to the Christian faith. Number one, do you believe that Jesus lived a sinless life? If you don't, you can't be saved. It's, Jesus has got to be the sinless sacrifice, otherwise it doesn't work. Number two, do you believe the Bible is accurate in its teachings? Well, if it's not, you can't trust anything in there. Number three... Do you believe there's absolute moral truth, things like this? Mm -hmm. You know, is this God's ten suggestions or ten commandments? (laughs) So go through six questions really simple like that. Does God get involved in the world today? Uh, Is Satan a real or an imaginary being? So six easy questions. You know that 72% of churches in America today say they do not agree with those six teachings. So you're looking at 72% of churches that do not agree with the most basic elements of the Bible. That leaves you 28% that do. Well, that's 100,000 churches. That'll fix any nation. 100,000 yeah. churches, that's a piece of cake. Um, so, I mean, if I, if I could speak to a church a day for, for 100,000 churches, then all I'm looking at is years and years and years mm-hmm. of speaking churches. But, I mean, that's right, that many right. churches. So you take that and say, all right, that's good. Let's see how these guys think. So then Barna says, okay. I'm going to focus on the 28%, so it calls five to 600 every day, and this has been going on for months. And in, in talking to that group of five to 600 every day, he says, do you believe the Bible speaks to every issue of life? Because these are already pastors who say they agree with the Bible. Right. And he said, for example, and he gives 14 different issues, do you think the Bible talks about immigration? Does the Bible talk about marriage? Does the Bible talk about abortion? Does the Bible talk about education? Does the Bible talk about economics? Right. Goes through 14, 14. And depending on which one of those 14 you choose, between 91 and 97% of pastors say the Bible definitely addresses that issue. you go, going, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. We got 28% of pastors who understand the Bible addresses all the things we face today. That is yep. that is great, 91 to 97%. Here's the next question he asked. He said, All right, <laughs> you know the Bible addresses that, so have you ever addressed that from the pulpit, or will you address that from the pulpit? And at that point, 90% of pastors say, no way. That's a political issue. I will not deal with political issues in the pulpit. So, there's 384,000 churches in America.
1: Okay, thank you. He calls between
3: five and 600 thank churches.
1: You. So, there we go. I, I, want you, I want everybody to stand up, please, just except for you two. So anyway, I, I, do, I thank God for our pastors. They, are, uh, they have been sent here by God for us. And they're bold and brave and confident. I know they don't always feel that way. But I thank you from the bottom of my heart. They speak words of truth when we need them, when we don't want to hear them. And they speak words of compassion and love. You just can't ask for any better than that. So I I thank God for them. But before we we close tonight, I I want you to imagine maybe 10, 15 years, 20 years down the road. I want you to think, guys, you've been gone 20 years. I'm going to come back And I'm going to go to my old church, Victory Christian Center, at Earl Avenue. And you come past, but there's no Victory Christian Center here. Something else. And you check, do you know where they went? Well, yeah, uh, they are no more. And you say, what happened? Well. You know, we changed our constitution a little bit. We changed that first article of our constitution where you couldn't talk. You didn't have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and you couldn't say anything, but this pastor, he wouldn't ever be quiet. She would never stop talking. So finally, we, we shut him down. And you say, how could that be? How could that ever happen? In America but I never thought I'd see this day I never thought I would see abortion on demand I never thought that I would see hearings for a Supreme Court judge turn into such a fiasco and dirt drug all over and his children and his wife persecuted And if you're a politician today and especially on one side, you're attacked. You can't go out to eat in peace because they will attack you. See, that's what the enemy does. He will do anything and everything. And so if you and I don't take a stand this time, that court could be completely different because Judge Kavanaugh already said how he would vote. He said, whatever the law is, that's how I'm going to vote. I'm not making up laws because I feel like the laws are not right. But the progressive judges and the progressive people that we have on both sides, okay, they will do it according to their feelings. If you watch the news, it's all about how you feel. And it's seldom about what the law says. But God doesn't judge that way. The law is the law. And that's the way he's going to see it. And so I just would ask you to bow and pray with me for our nation. Heavenly Father, Bill, I'm going to ask you.
4: Father God, we just lift up this nation, the leaders of our nation that have been elected to these offices. Lord God, we pray that each and every individual whether they are part of the elected group or whether they are appointed as secretaries of this that or the other father god every department of our government needs to be led by godly people people who know the truth know the law and will act and govern accordingly lord god not just on the federal level but on the state level on the county level and on the city level father god we need godly people in charge So our country can prosper and grow according to your word and not the devices of man. So, Father God, we thank you that this message was heard farther than just our walls today. This message will get out because our people will carry this message and things will be done to change the outcome, Lord God. We thank you. If it has to start, let it start here tonight in Jesus' name.
1: Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we praise you
5: and thank you. Hallelujah. Let's pray for Sue and for Bill. But I really believe Sue did run for office. uh, How many? How long? Yeah, yeah. But uh, she has, I, I believe she has a call into the political arena. I really do. Stretch your hands out here toward Sue and toward Bill over here. Come on up here, Bill. <clears throat> Father I thank you for Bill and Sue Lord I thank you for their faithfulness to serve you their faithfulness to this ministry to this vision And Father I thank you for the next season of their life what you have for them I thank you for the fire that's within them fire that we see within Sue for this great nation thank you that you're going to open doors thank you Father that she has been faithful both of them but Sue has been faithful, faithful to study the word of God, to speak the word of God, and <clears throat> to stand for this nation. And we thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Let's give Sue a hand. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Benjamin Franklin said this when they had the first session in Philadelphia. They came out. They had made a decision to form the government and the lady asked him Mr. Franklin what kind of a government do you have what do we have he said ma'am we've given you a republic if you can keep it it was an experiment it is still an experiment but I believe it is God's plan for this nation and that we continue to be a bright light for the world and all of us are going to have to do something We're going to have to be informed. You're going to have to know what's going on. And I want to close with this scripture. It's in Matthew 16, verse 19. Jesus is saying that I've given you the power to bind and to loose. It's a spiritual power that takes place in the heavenlies with our words, our actions, and our deeds. When we speak boldly as an oracle for God, we have the ability to loose the power of God upon this earth heavenly realm that is over this country and over this earth but if we hold back and say well i don't want to say anything i don't want to upset anybody folks it's not time to upset the boat it's time to sink the boat that the devil's in it's time to be bold for god and to speak forth as an oracle of god what he has planned for this nation Father, I thank you for boldness in our church. I thank you for boldness in our people. I thank you, Lord, that we are bold, we are righteous, and we are declaring the word of God. We are declaring the word of God. Father, we lift up Kavanaugh as we've just prayed for him. We bind every demonic force that's trying to destroy him, but they're trying to destroy this nation. We bind it in the name of Jesus. We thank you for President Trump. We pray a hedge of protection around him. We pray that in Jesus' name, this nation will fulfill its God-given destiny, and we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, If you don't vote, you are not part of the army of God making a difference in this nation.
0: Turn to your neighbor and tell them you need to be part of that army. Go and be blessed.